Hello, hello, and welcome back to Squad Depth, the podcast with me, Theo Lloyd Hughes. A little bit tired today, if I'm being totally honest. The World Cup is catching up with us. It is fantastic that it's here, the 2023 World Cup in Australia and New Zealand, but oof, those early games. Uh, the 2am New Zealand-Norway game is still in me. And of course, Spain-Costa Rica this morning recording and talking to you on Friday, or the last last few minutes, hours here of Friday before this goes publish. But I'm not going to dig into that too much because uh, this is another interview episode and I'm really excited to have one of my favourite people in all of the football universe with me, uh, a brilliant analytical mind in women's football and men's football, someone who has been so important to the way we enjoy the game online, in analytical spaces like American Soccer Analysis, even just on Twitter. Their work is often featured in all the best journalists writing on the NWSL. They do amazing visualizations and they're just a really good person as well that loves other football fans and other people that care about the game. So enjoy this interview and uh, get excited about the World Cup. We talk a little bit about it as well as all the other stuff they're into. And also go check out the newsletter squaddepth.substack.com. Come subscribe. It's going to be a great month of football. See you out there. Very, very excited to be joined by the brilliant, the marvellous, the talented, Ariel. Ariel Draw, am I saying that right, wrong? Yeah, you got it. Nailed it. Nailed it on the first go. Ariel, so good to see you. All the way from Sydney, uh, New South Wales, New South Wales, Australia. Um, sounds right. Sounds right. What a time to be alive. How are you doing? Um, alive is a really interesting word because I don't know if I feel that way. Um, but the time is good <laughs> to be alive. Theoretically, if I was awake, was also good. But yeah, this time zone has continued to destroy me but largely doing great i'm really excited to be here and excited to talk to you because it's it's been a while it's been a while so so good to see you actually i feel like it has been a while we you know we're in, we're in a few chats kind of spoiler for the listener we do have a few private chats that we occupy space in and, and chat and catch up in but it's nice to see face to face even if it is through a screen um i'd love to talk about people's kind of football origin stories or, or where, how they fell in love with football or where they where they feel like football exists for them but because there is a World Cup going on right now and you have flown halfway across the world to be there, I actually want to start with Sydney last night and uh, get some of the vibes, the taste of of, of Down Under. And then we'll get to, to kind of, we'll move back to you. We'll do it the opposite to how I normally do it. So yeah, last night uh, you were there, Australia won, Ireland nil. Bit of a uh, raunchy, crunchy, crunchy affair, but... 75,000 people spicy. Inc- in spicy there you go uh incredible atmosphere in, in a kind of momentous uh start to the tournament kind of dovetailed uh by the the New Zealand game as well but um yeah what's it been like since you got into Sydney and, and how was last night yeah it's been cool so I got in Monday morning Australia time I left Saturday missed a day on the flight somehow I don't understand the international dateline and then um late in Monday morning and yeah, there was like, instantly there was like a lot of, you know, World Cup branding. I, I feel like other people disagreed, but I was like really impressed. It seemed like the city was ready. So that was super cool. Uh, yeah, last night was the first game and I went 
um, with some friends, though they were not sitting near me. So I actually sat in the game alone. But the vibes were like tremendous. I, I don't even know how to describe it. We took the train out and um, from the moment we stepped on the platform, people were like singing, cheering, uh, everyone. I was probably the only person not dressed in green or gold. So um, just like the fanfare around it was incredible. The Irish fans like really, really showed out. I think that was my my major takeaway. Um, I think I posted a video on Twitter of it, but they were they were singing like from the second they got on the platform to they got in the stadium. Um, so that was, you know, incredible. Like, I don't know. I felt so inspired. I was like actually like pretty emotional on the platform. just like watching these people so excited. Um, yeah. And then the stadium itself, the, the atmosphere was like really electric. Everyone was like super into it in a way that I don't necessarily see at soccer games when I watch them in the U S and I know Australia is like a pretty sports passionate country, but to see like the level of engagement and enthusiasm was like, pretty incredible. And, and they put on like a real show outside the stadium too. There was this whole fan fest and they had like these fire I don't even know how to describe it. If you go to the Taylor Swift concert, they have these like fire jets that shoot out during bad blood. They had those like in the walk up to the stadium. Like it probably was not the exact so, same you know, ones, but the same model unless Taylor is renting. Yeah. Them yeah. They, Taylor actually decided she wasn't going to use fire this weekend just for the, just in honor of, of um, the Matildas, but Solid, solidarity yeah, like, the vibes the Matildas. were incredible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was incredible. I mean, like even watching it alone, I felt like so like surrounded by community, which was super nice. So this is, I think this is one of like two games I'm watching, like not with friends because not everyone has gone in yet. And um, yeah, it was just incredible. Like I, I wish I had like more eloquent words to describe it. It was just like a stupendous experience. And, and I thought like both teams really rose to the occasion too. Like I don't think Ireland looked particularly phased and that was by far like the biggest game of all those players lives for the most part. So um, and, and, you know, the, the, the Matildas also didn't look particularly phased. So it ended up being like a really good game. Um, I was kind of surprised that it ended the way it did. It was sort of, I, I don't know. I thought they were going to claw one back at the end. It was going to end in a draw. But um, yeah, Megan Connolly yeah, had a lot of nice crosses that were sort of dropping at uh, very tantalizing. And uh, she had the free kick as well. Very tantalizing heights. Uh, Louise Quinn almost headed one in you know she gets the angle you know she takes 25 degrees off that header and it's in the back of the net um a couple of things i want to touch so on so close from last night where were you when the sam kerr news dropped and what was that like oh, that's amongst matilda nation <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so it was funny we were in a train car and i was with my friend tony tony uh, maza and we were uh, watching the game like, on the on his phone yeah other data legend and he, or maybe the data legend, I should say. And so um, he was watching, we were watching on his phone and I was like scrolling through Twitter and I saw the tweet and I like showed it to him and everyone sort of in the vicinity who were my friends. And we were like pretty shocked, but no one around us like seemed to react because they were also watching the New Zealand game on their phones. So they didn't see the tweets. But then the problem was is that our, because we're using you know, like kind of ramshackle data because they're international. We were delayed a good like five seconds on the stream. And so when there was the, uh, was it the New Zealand penalty? Um, yes, the missed penalty. We what in, happened in the five seconds before. Yeah, we heard everyone gasp before we even got to the like kick. So, so this doesn't answer your question. The answer is I, there was no reaction because 
everyone's busy watching the New Zealand game. Um, and then I got to put on the penalty. But, Love that. Um, I mean, that's not what I was expecting to yeah, say, but that's cool. a good. That is a good scene uh, to paint. Um, Tom Gary from the English Daily Telegraph talked about how he felt the crowd was different to crowds he's seen in England. Um, a lot of people in their twenties and thirties, young people, he felt in big packs going to the game as if it was, you know, yeah. the, biggest, the biggest ticket in town. You are a tremendous traveler of football. You've been around the world. Um, you've been to Euros. You've been all over. How how do you feel about that take? Oh, you haven't been to the Euros. You're shaking your head. Yeah, I haven't been to the Euros. I went to the FA Cup semi. Like I was in London last year at the time, or two years ago, was it? I don't know. It's one been to Europe, I, big European football occasion. Yeah, I've been to I've been to European. Yeah, I usually I like to travel, like plan trips around other things I enjoy. So like just as the World Cup is, like, a reason to go to Australia. Like, I was going to London, and I wanted to, like, see games when I was there. Um, I agree. I was shocked. There weren't a lot. I mean, there were kids, right? But there weren't, like... So, I mean, this is a very American take. Like, when I go to women's soccer games in the U.S., it's mostly families. And there were definitely families there, but for the most part, it was, like, people maybe a little bit older than me with their friends. Like, I was in a section with, like, maybe there were, like, 20 people that all knew each other, um, and they were all maybe just a little bit older than me. Um, that's what yeah, the not reports... a ton of kids. I guess it was also school night, so maybe that was why. But yeah, it was a, a super like youthful crowd, which was pretty neat and also a change of some really what I was used to. No, it's good to hear you say that because that was something which I think you know turned a few heads when Tom said that, and I was interested to know someone who was there if they agreed with that. I think it's changing a little bit in England. I think it is still family first, but I do think it's changing. And I think Euro 2022 had a big part to play in that um, for changing crowds at women's games. But I think that was an interesting thing and, and good on Australia and the, and, and the Tillies for, for, for you know, changing that and, and bringing in people that just, you know, love the sport. They're not necessarily looking for a day out with their kids or a night out. And, and you know, obviously bring the kids, love the kids, bring the kids too. But it's good to see, uh, you know, groups of 20 young people raucously uh shouting into the night as well um yeah, anything cool. else? i will say there wasn't a ton of heckling which i was like surprised about not I enough like booing I see a lot in the, not <laughs> enough booing no I, I wanted more booing there was like a little bit of booing when katie mccabe was sort of like on i was one. gonna but say for the most katie part, mccabe is like a pantomime yeah. villain at this point i i you I, know i she don't loves know the how she got away when she got away with it was incredible but yeah for the most part not a lot of heckling and my my section was like super mixed there were a ton of Ireland irish fans like in my section too and no one was like there was no animosity which was also i guess pretty nice any anything else you want to get off your chest before we we turn the spotlight away from the world cup and, and back to you <laughs> if that's okay. uh, no i'm good i i'm just super you're all good i'm like just excited to be here um i'm excited to see sort of like how other teams show out i was really surprised by the away crowd last night so um i have i mean i'm sure the u.s games are going to be like pretty bonkers but I'm excited to see like some of these other teams and see sort of how their fans showed out, um, which I guess I'll find out on Sunday because the next one is a uh, French Jamaica. I think I'm going to, so I'm sure that Ooh, will be. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Yeah, can't I wait. Think so. All right, Ariel, your football story is what I want to hear about. So where does it begin? What was what was the moment yeah. for you? Well, I think I have a really different background from a lot of people, sort of in the space. I didn't grow up 
playing soccer sort of in the way a lot of people do definitely not in any formal sense like I think the extent of my formal sense is like in the backyard with my friends like my neighbors uh because they have like a big I mean, backyard that, that, um, that is a big part of a lot yeah. of business as well but I, I take what right. I take it, it was like we would play organized football soccer yeah no never never my dad is not from the U.S. he's from a country where uh football's king so I grew up watching a lot on Saturdays and Sundays and for me that was like probably the first like sustained exposure that I had but I didn't watch women's soccer really in any consistent way until like sort of after and around the 2019 World Cup like I would watch World Cups and like occasionally NWSL matches would be on Lifetime right so to like watch them but I didn't really know much um, but after the 2019 World Cup I I just found myself like First of all, like tremendously inspired, I think, like a lot of people by the, the U.S. team. Um, but also it became like a lot more accessible um, for a lot of reasons. And for me, the best way, because, you know, I didn't grow up playing in like any organized way. The best way for me to understand the game is through data, because that's what I do. Like I'm a data scientist by training. So that was sort of like the impetus for where I am now is like I just wanted to know what I was looking at like I would watch players and I'd be like why are they so good and like how can we quantify how good they are and so I would like go look at stats and be like oh that's why this player is probably pretty good or uh wow I thought this player was really good but the stats aren't good so that was sort of like my impetus and I think it's like a very different way of approaching it from you know a lot of people um in the space but I also think it makes me different and um it gives me a very different perspective. And a brilliant, important perspective as well. I love, I love that you brought that up. Um, so for those that maybe don't know you and don't follow you at Ariel underscore draw, D-R-O-R, what is it when you say, you know, one of the data heads that I think you referred to um, or data celebrities or data stars, I'm not sure the exact term you used, but um, what is it, you know, for someone who, who, you know, for that person that's never seen, I'm familiar with the work, but for the person that's never seen what you do, what is it that you are interested in when it comes to football and, and what it is that you create? Yeah, I mean, I can talk about what I create first. So when I, well, actually, I should probably backtrack. When I was in college, so 2019 World Cup was the summer before my senior year of college, I was a data science major. And um for like a final project I created this like R packet R is a statistical programming software and I created a package that made um like data accessible for women's soccer um for the first time and like sort of a programmatic sense and um from there just like a lot of opportunities grew um and so I was using that data to sort of like understand things um for myself but as that sort of ability and skill set grew I wanted to be able to like communicate statistical concepts to a broader audience because I would see like discussions and I'd be like oh these aren't like underpinned by data and that makes me upset and so I ended up creating some like I basically took like already popular visualizations sort of like in the men's space and just you know adapted them so the first one I do is this uh concept of expected goals do I need to give a refresher on expected goals? No, I think people at this point, anyone listening to this show doesn't know expected goals. If you don't know expected goals, I, I very quick refresher. Uh, you know, uh, Ari, I'll take it away. You know, twenty seconds. Give a very yeah. simple. Yeah. Okay. So the idea is that every shot has 
like not all shots are created the same. So every shot has a different probability of actually converting to a goal. Um, and if you can assign those probabilities using you know, statistical modeling, you can and add up all those chances, you can get a better idea of like how many goals on average a team would have expected to score from those shots. So I created a plot that basically just visualized to, just, that, to, just to add um, to that. So for example, if someone shot from five yards out from goal, much higher percentage probability than if they shot from the halfway line. Correct. That's perfectly for the layman's terms. Uh, okay, back to you. Yeah, no, perfect. So I created like a plot that basically visualized that um, as like sort of every time there's a goal, it sort of like increases on a on a line essentially. So you can see like sort of the true. It's like a good way to show like the pace of the game or like in some ways the pace of the game. So I just created that, put that out people got really excited about it so I just like started creating more like visualizations that I thought were interesting I really like network science which is just it's like I just think networks are neat so I created past networks um, and then I wanted them to be a little different from what I saw online so I use like this idea of possession value which allows you to value a player's all of a player's on-ball actions and how they contribute to scoring or a team's chances of conceding um, and like put that in a plot so for me, it was just like a way to add some spice to like the online discussion. I just, um, I just wanted to add to the discourse. I felt like there needed to be a little bit more like nuanced perspectives, um, and I think it's helped. Um, like, I, definitely I definitely think it's helped. Like I think it's. Discourse. I would say it's not even helped. I'd say it's vital. I think you know, so many people listening to this, not listening to this in the space, are illuminated and touched by the maps you make or, or graphs you make um yeah i think the race plots and the and the passing networks are, are so crucial to how a lot of us journalists and fans see the game you know i think it's it's amazing and i think it, it i'm sure we can touch on this a little bit but it speaks a little bit to like i think you are such an important person in the space because you do illuminate and, and and create and kind of paint a lot of these things that we see that for some reason maybe that aren't out there otherwise so maybe touch on that did you you obviously had a, a passion for it you had a skill for it but did you also feel like oh my god you know where is this why can't we get this data you know yeah so some of it was that i was like why don't we have this and, and you know there were people that were doing like analytical work before like shout out kim mccauley right who was doing data stuff of course way before i yeah i, I don't want to like say I was like the first to do these things. I definitely was probably the first to do like consistent data visualization, but you know, Kim was doing like statistical work as well. So um, I, yeah, I, I would say like, I wanted to contribute to the space because I feel like it needed it, but also because I wanted to and I found it fun. And like, for me, it's a way to, like I don't watch every game, right? So like for me, this is like a way of making sure I'm like keeping up. Um, and you know, like I don't just do those visualizations. Like when I see other things that are kind of interesting, I'll like put together like one-off stuff. Or um, I think for me, it's really important that I serve as a resource. So I like if people have ideas, I just like I I get a lot of inspiration from my mentions, right? I don't always interact because mentions are a toxic place. But like I, I get like a lot of inspiration. I just try and provide like the statistical resource to the community because I think like we're all better for having. A slightly more objective framework in which we can sort of look at what we're seeing what's been you kind of mentioned some of the the negatives there without me even asking for them which is mentions can be toxic uh, what are some of the the best 
things that have come from from your visualizations from your from your data work what what are the biggest positives well i got a job out of it so that was pretty cool always nice always um, nice yeah i i i'm not i won't talk about it in depth but like i work now in soccer full time um and that's that's pretty cool very cool. uh men's soccer i should say yeah so that was pretty cool um i made a lot of friends out of it like i feel like someone actually asked me like the same question the other day and for me like the biggest win was was that i made a lot of friends like i'm here at the world cup because i made friends through this work who also wanted to be here and then i was like well like i'm not going alone so i can like that's incredible right this community uh and, so and sorry just to jump in big ones did you you didn't that's not something that you necessarily set out to do you didn't say oh i'm gonna make beautiful football data visualizations to make friends it's just something it was like an add-on right no no i started making beautiful data visualizations because i wanted to do it nothing was right. like i i was like yeah like all the follow-on has been unintentional but i think that's like something that is true when you work with on stuff with authenticity with no expectation yes. of like a like any getting anything in return you do better work so uh, and that yeah, community like is authentic right the one that you find yeah I, I think so i think so everyone's really lovely and i think like yeah i i just think like that authenticity like goes a long way um but i think that's true of a lot of people in the space right like pe people work on it authentically and most people aren't doing it with the intention that like becoming like a self-serving platform so um yeah, I think like that is like a, a big value. Maybe this is a little bit of a heady question because there's a lot going on right now in in kind of social media, you know, with 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 platforms that we know maybe changing, which is like a very yeah simple way of saying things, but I don't really want to go into like massive detail. I want to kind of move the conversation on. But <laughs> um what do you think football community in that you've found? How important is that? And how do you think like that? I don't want to say survives or thrives without the social media platforms that maybe have helped create them, but what do you think is maybe the next phase? Or do you worry about like, if you were maybe coming through now, it wouldn't be as easy as it was for community because, you know, Twitter won't function the same way. Like, are you having those thoughts and, and what, yeah, how do you absolutely. see kind of football communities adjusting in the next few years? A thousand percent. I actually was like, I, I sort of references before I was like on a panel for at a women's hockey data conference. Um, like literally six hours before I got on the plane to Sydney. Terrible decision, but it was a good time. And um, someone basically asked, like, I was on a panel about like doing data on social media, and someone basically asked the same question. And I was like, I'm really worried. I uh, I worried for a lot of reasons. People do this work because they want to find community, and yeah, the community is not going to be frac like frac fractured. I'm also concerned because people that do this work in public often are the people that clubs hire um for data work and so i have some concern about people coming into the space in the future and whether or not clubs are going to be able to find those people um because in the past this was like sort of like a great equalizer um in terms of sort of giving underrepresented groups sort of in the data space to yeah, find something so that honestly is like a bigger fr frustration to me than the community i think like eventually people will coalesce around some sort of platform but i don't know which one that is um all the ones i've tried so far have been not fun and i won't go on threads because i care about data privacy um i don't know if that answers your question i just i i think the community aspect will be a, 
Yeah, I, I wish I, I, I mean, I worry about it all the time. I also know that like people, not everyone who interacts with my, not everyone who looks at my plots interacts, right? So there are people who don't interact at all, but there are people that use it in like very important contexts. And I'm worried that they won't be able to use it to help them. And so that worries me too. Um, so there's a lot of worries, right? It's, it's, it's the community layer is important. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of like, yeah, it is two separate things, like the the work and the community. But to sound more selfish, then, like yeah. NWSL are annual visualizations. How do you think they accessing those, interacting with those? How do you think that changes, maybe in a post monoculture social media world? Like, do you see yourself yeah, having a know. having a site or your own app? I'm I'm, I'm very much yeah. just you know pulling. I have thought and, about that. I definitely have thought about like creating like some sort of app that people can do and then download the images. Um, it just, I, I need to find time, time. money. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Time is a, the money isn't really a concern for me. The time is the big one. It's just like finding time to do this. And uh, NWSLR will always live in perpetuity because or like, that's not the right word. It'll live. It'll live because um, like it's hosted on its own thing. The, yeah, the plots are, are a big question um but i always say i think i said this like three times in separate presentations in the last or podcast or whatever in the last like six months like i will probably be the last person on twitter so if you're <laughs> i'll around, hold you to that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean until like someone's until like it's really really bad right so, um yeah i am worried is there anything else about your work the visualizations and or analyzing women's football data that you want to you want to dig into that, that i missed the importance of the work or, or things that you found funny from from doing data data visualizations or statistics i i do uh funny is it is an interesting one i think my sense of humor is very different like my math sense of humor is very different from other people sometimes you'll have like pretty wild interpretations of what i post which i think is is funny or they think like i have like weird motives about why I post certain things like like I'm like on a slander train which isn't really true like I just post things because I think they're like interesting I thought about that a lot as well a slander train is a great phrase by the way I'm stealing I'm stealing that <laughs> I've thought about that a lot because I obviously know you and like by the time I saw your work I think I'd already met you yeah I think so so I've never had that like distance, you know, and I do wonder about the person out there that just sees you as the visualizer, the data person, and and they are that kind of personal, the person behind it, the human side gets a bit lost and you do just, you know, I guess that's social media in, in a nutshell, you know, you say what you want and people are very rude. Yeah, like I don't hate your favorite players. Right, exactly. The, you don't, everyone you're, like, you're trying I, to be objective. I, I'm trying to be objective and I'm trying to just like add something to the conversation. Um I think that's like sometimes just the data might not be what you think it is. So I think that's like sort of the funniest things I've experienced. It's just like people thinking I hit their favorite players. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't feel that. Safe space. Who is the player that gets the most, creates the most mentions or, or people get most protective about who is that favorite player? Who is the, like the biggest one that, you know, conducts a lot of attention if you write something about them and post something about them. 
oh, are, are you sure you want me to write this? Are you sure yeah, yeah, you yeah. want me to share this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's Alex Morgan, right? Like, okay. Uh, that's not just me, for what it's worth. I think any time anyone, anyone writes something or you I would put, data um, to describe what she does. Ashlyn Harris up there, up there, in my experience. Oh, yeah, she's she's also... I actually had, like, a, a visualization idea, and I I didn't put it up because I knew... Harris Harris gets a lot. Anything anytime I've written about or tweeted about Harris, it feels like it really blows up. But yeah, probably Morgan as well. Yeah, those are probably the two. Well, I I have like a I uh, last year I visualized the Golden Boot race with breakdowns of goal types, and I um, I specific like she scored a lot of penalties. She was the Golden Boot winner, right, Alex Morgan, but she scored a lot of penalties. So I I colored the penalties in a different color because it's a different kind of goal and yeah people got really upset it became personal it, it became um, personal it, it really did and i didn't think it would i just i thought it was interesting that she had scored so many penalties and like everyone knows i have feelings about penalties being included in the golden boot race but like those two things were separate in that instance and um yeah she she garners a lot of feelings from people but no disrespect to her. She's great. I just she's great. Feelings are feelings are great. Fans are great. Let's all just be nice and and you know, uh, and let Ariel make yeah. great objective art that has a science uh, foundation. You know, let's not let's not shout about it. Well, um, before I let you go, I I, I, do, I do want to talk about uh, you're doing a podcast during the World Cup. Can we talk about that? Yeah, yeah, it- sure. I yeah, I can talk about it. I so I came down to the world cup because i wanted to not for like you're an enthusiast you're a lover of the game yeah yeah i just thought it would be like a fun experience and also like i wanted to go to australia and new zealand so i was like let's combine it into one trip um and then double pivot pod is run by two guys they mostly work they mostly do like european soccer and then like some international soccer they have a podcast um, it's supposed to, supposed to be like analytically and data driven um, and they needed someone to cover the World Cup for them. So I, I they asked me and I said that would be fun. And so I am going to be doing weekly podcasts with friends um, and we're going to drop some data hot takes about what we're seeing. Um, I'm pretty excited. I, I'm really excited to see sort of how it pans out. I've done honestly this way quite a few podcasts which it's it's really out of my uh comfort zone but i've done quite a few uh, but i've never hosted so i'm excited to see how it turns out um but if anyone listens and has questions they can at me and i'll cover them on the podcast well i am gonna let you go but definitely go listen to the double pivot podcast find ariel's beautiful visualizations follow at ariel underscore draw anything else you want to shout out uh no thank you for having me on it's good to see you again i feel like we so haven't been face to face since the championship but i guess i'll see you in what like i will see you in a couple of weeks i'm I'm a late one out there i'm not going out to the quarterfinals yeah. but yes i'm excited i'm already starting to feel very tired today having got up very early to watch new zealand versus norway and between having a baby and it being the summer in the southern united states which is unbearable um and oh, having yeah. to get up very early to watch football i think i will be re- at breaking point by the time oh, i, I finally fly to sydney so oh yeah wait till you get here in the sunset at five o'clock and then we can talk because that i wasn't ready for that and wow 
my good friends my good friend sophie lawson uh, writes for usbn wonderful person uh who also grew up in london actually she said the same thing and, and in london in the winter the sun sets about 4 15 so i don't know why sophie found that so affecting but um she said the same thing so can't wait to see the sun i, I think i just forgot it was winter like i like it didn't like i remember i knew it would be colder but it didn't the whole like time thing just did not go through the brain it doesn't go to the brain um well without further ado ariel i'll let you get back to sydney thank you so much for stopping in and giving us your time and telling us your story and giving us the takes from sydney i can't wait to hop on the slander train and hear all your spicy data takes um please enjoy the world cup and give my love to the southern hemisphere awesome i'll see you soon see you soon